0: Good evening, good afternoon and welcome. Actually, it's afternoon, so it is really... I'm, I'm way ahead of myself. You're Welcome to the Arts Programme on Ross FM. Um, a busy little show this afternoon. We have Miles O'Reilly. Uh, we'll be chatting up with him later on in the later on in the programme. We have um, met up with um, Mary Gillooly and uh, Mark uh, Feely to chat about the souls of uh, Ranula and i'm only going to be giving a small part of the chat that we did. We did a hour an hour long talk there, so we did and, um we were just going to play that now, but I'm only going to play twenty minutes. that was really it's the new uh, sculpture that's out on the outside of Roscommon, and it's to um there was a um a site an archaeological dig there, and they found bodies and a lot of history and the new statue called the Souls of Ranala is out on the, just outside of um, Common. So I'm going to start with this. Ursula Ledwitz for the Arts Programme on Ross FM. Once again, I'm delighted to be in the company of Mark Feely Sculpture and Marie Gillilooly, tourist guide and local historian. I'm here this afternoon to chat about the souls of Ranala. And if you're in the Roscommon region, I'm sure you've seen the beautiful sculpture that, which was installed for the winter solstice just before Christmas. Marie is a local historian and we will probably start with her to get a feel for what Ranala means and then the souls of Ranala, where that comes from as well. Marie, you're welcome
1: to the Arts Programme on M. Thank you very much, Ursula. Delighted to be here.
0: The name Ranala, where does that come from?
1: Well, I suppose when people hear Ranelagh, so they automatically assume it's in Dublin. But yeah. we have Ranelagh here in Roscommon. So we have, back in the 1670s, the first Earl of Ranelagh. His name was Richard Jones, and he um, he got land here uh, in Roscommon. He was a gentleman architect. He was actually involved in the Royal Hospital in Kilmainham. He decided in 1708 that he was going to build two charter schools. One here in Roscommon, just outside of Roscommon town and the other in Athlone, and hence the area became known as Ranala as a result of that. Um, That charter school um, was in existence for a considerable period of time, but by the time that the first Ordnance Survey maps were made, say in the 1830s, 1840s, that land had actually become pastoral grazing, so it was no longer a charter school, and the site Ranala that was actually excavated. So that's where Ranala in Roscommon has kind of come from. The Souls of Ranala. The Souls of Ranala. It's a long story, Ursula. I hope you have in a I, little bit of time. I have heard you tell the story, so I'm sure okay. our listeners will be really interested. And it's a wonderful insight and window into our history and into our heritage here in Ruscommon. Um The N61 is the road, it's the Boyle Road, it's the Sligo Road just outside of Roscommon Town, and that was being realigned. And back in... Uh, when they started to dig up that road they hit upon an archaeological site and it took a full year it took from October 2015 to October 2016 to complete that dig and it was an amazing find it really was what they found out there. Uh, Basically I suppose to give a little synopsis of what they found without going into the detail just yet they found what appeared to be a site that was in existence for well over a thousand years found a number of remains there. The earliest remains are back around 400 AD, 400 to 600. And to put a context on that, if you think St. Patrick came to Ireland in 432 AD, 432 AD, so that's the time frame we're talking about. So it was in existence for well over a 1,000 years. It may have started off as like a settlement cemetery for a family. So a family, a kind of predominant family in the area, may have buried their dead there. But what happened over time, it became like an administrative site, um, it grew into a substantial regional or administrative centre for the surrounding populations. So if you can imagine at that time, just to paint a picture, of like what society was like, town didn't exist at that time. Okay. People would have lived in Ringford, so they were like their houses. And this site that was excavated at Ranelagh, just outside town was like their town. It was like an administrative centre, uh, a regional administrative centre. So what they did there... They would have raised animals there. They would have raised cattle, cattle predominantly, sheep, pigs, um, and they would have slaughtered them there, so they would as well. They would have... um, uh, They would have... Uh, dried and stored cereals there for the local population. So the farmers in the area would have brought their animals there, they would have brought their cereal there, So they would, and it would have, the animals would have been slaughtered and processed, and the cereals were dried and stored. In addition to that, they would have made their tools. There was uh, a lot of workmanship went on there. And uh, weapons, one weapon was found there. So they obviously did make weapons, but they found one artefact of a weapon there. And they would have made high-quality jewellery in stone, bone, antler, glass, iron and bronze. It was a very, very high-quality uh, produce that they were producing there. So the variety of produce created around Ramla, and the number of high-quality items there that were retrieved during the excavation certainly point to being a prosperous centre at one stage in history.
0: And from what we can see on the picture, the picture that has been drawn up from what uh, was found... It does look like a prosperous centre. That It wasn't yes. just a, a small little
1: place. Oh, no, no. It was a substantial, mm. prosperous administrative centre. Mm. Now, in addition to that activity going on there, in one part of it, they discovered a burial ground. Okay. And this is where some of the most amazing finds have been made. They discovered in total 665 remains, which was huge. Now, we're talking over a period of a 1,000 years. 557 of those are articulated burials. And what that means is that they were never disturbed. The remains were in one piece and the bones were in order. So they were never disturbed. So I suppose in Roscommon we're lucky in that we don't do a lot of tillage. So the ground, it's mainly pastoral grazing, so the ground wouldn't have been dug up as such. In addition to that, they found 108 remains that had been disturbed. And that could have been through the dig or over time. So in total, uh, 665 remains. So it was huge, the amount of people that they found there. The earliest burial that they found at early 400 to 600. So that was the earliest in situ burial that they found in place. And the last one then was 1400 to 1600. So you can see how long that particular site was in, in in existence for. A huge period of time. Now, the majority of the remains that they found date to the early medieval period, which is 640, roughly, to about 1020 AD. Very significant site. It was in existence for a long period of time, time, and it was obviously a very important site as well with what happened. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the two roles of the site, if you like. One as an administrative centre and one as a burial ground. There's evidence of about 17 ring forts within a two-kilometre space around it so there was obviously it serviced a lot of um, it serviced a lot of that region there and it obviously it would have serviced other ring forts as well it's just as evidence of 17 there at the moment that we know of In relation to, I suppose, the burials, if you'd like me to talk a little bit about the burials, what they found is mainly it's um, a ratio of 1.8 female to one male. So nearly two females to every male. Now, that doesn't mean to say that more women were dying than men, but it means that some of that disproportion comes from later males being buried off-site. So... It was considered more appropriate for Christians to be buried in consecrated ground. So in Roscommon Town, we have St. Coleman, and St. Coleman found a monastery in Roscommon Town. And what happened is, for a period of about 500 years, the males were buried in that particular site, more than likely, and that meant that for 500 years, The female population of Ranala continued to be buried on the site that was excavated and the children. So that's why there's more females than males. And then I suppose one of the notable aspects of Ranala, which is a sad occurrence really, was that there was a high proportion of juveniles buried there. Um, Nearly 70% of the remains were children under 18 years of age. And a huge percentage of them, the majority, were babies that were less than one year premature babies, unborn babies and their mothers and newly born babies uh, were all represented in the find in Ranala which is very sad and I suppose one of the poignant things about it is that those children were very buried in a very sensitive, poignant way, loving way and they would have been laid in the fetal position into the grave now remember there would have been no priests officiating at these burials it would probably have been their parents and their family And obviously the fetal position is a, you know, a position, a safe, exactly, protection. And they would have buried them in the fetal position, you know, in a loving way. Um, There was a set of newborn twins that were buried with their hands entwined. There was um, a six-month-old baby in a tightly tightly shrouded baby. And there was the remains of a large dog over the baby. And that would have been presumably to protect the child in the afterlife. So, there was a real sense of loss there was a real you know there was real reverence shown to these remains, and there was a real you know their burials indicated a real sense of loss and grief to the families
0: and again that community and the community
1: yeah exactly yeah, the community yeah. is right um, at that time, infancy and younger childhood would have been times associated with the high risk of dying now, the more resilient children who survived to adulthood in Ranela. Had a good chance of living into old age once they got past that, you know, those early childhood years. Uh, relatively few young adults were present in the burial ground, and the evidence suggests that most of the adults did survive to middle or old age. Now, it's worth noting, Ursula, that old age was considered fifty years plus.
0: I'm still so, a young one. So are you? I think I'm prehistoric
1: at this stage. <laughs>
0: Mark, I don't know what you were laughing at. <laughs> you were in St. Coleman's. <laughs> now,
1: it, was, um, it was absolutely fascinating uh, what they found in relation to these burials and when, when they excavated the remains. What happened then is the remains were removed to Queen's University Belfast and analysis, state of the art analysis, was carried out in these remains and it was amazing what they could tell. It led to a new, exciting level of knowledge about these people, which we would not have been possible otherwise. Um, they could tell... I don't know if we have the time to go into it all. <laughs> they could tell the burial practices, how they were buried. They could tell what sex the peop- people were. You know, what the majority of them were women, the majority were babies. Um, they could tell what age they were at death. <laughs> it was amazing, so it was. They could tell that... Um, whether the individuals were native to the area or whether they were non-local. So the majority were native to the area. Uh, They were all mainly from that particular area, Uh, mainly the males, but they did find, uh, I think it was 11 non-locals, and they were predominantly female. And that leads us to our uh, skeleton 488. (laughs) And skeleton 488 is um, very unusual. Uh, She was an elderly woman. She had been buried... In um, an unusual position in that her knees were up and she was on her back. She had, it appears she had arthritis and sinusitis. It showed that she had no other relatives in the Ranala area, which was very unusual. She had absolutely none at all in the Ranala area. Um, she exhibited links with the Anglo-Saxon population in Britain, and going further back in her ancestry profile. Um, it her her ancestry profile had been observed in Viking burials in Yorkshire. This is fascinating in that they could look at her childhood diet, and they could establish that she was from she was not native and she was from a coastal area, and they established that she had high levels of lead in her blood so it meant that she grew up in an industrialised urban area environment. In addition to this, they worked out that she had red hair, she had pale to intermediate skin tone, and she would have had brown or hazel eye colour. How did this woman end up in Ranala? She obviously lived into old age and she was buried here. What brought her to Ranala? You know, these are all questions that will never be answered, but it, it leaves her an intriguing figure, so it does. And she's important in relation to our monument. So we can refer back to her again. But that's why I've picked her in particular out.
0: And we refer to her as a warrior?
1: She is the warrior woman on the monument. So she is is what Mark modelled the warrior woman on, if you like.
0: When I was chatting with Mark, I realised she was an older woman.
1: Um, She's depicted as a warrior woman, but... She was to represent a strong woman and an Irish woman and a Roscommon woman, the woman that would have been found out there. Do you know what I mean? So she's not particularly young. She's actually very hard to age. So she is, if you look at the model, if you look at the warrior woman on the monument. But no, she she was to be representative of of what was found out there.
0: I probably made a mistake because I called her a goddess.
1: Oh, I'd love to call her a goddess as well but I can't or so. No, no. <laughs> but I'd I'm love not... to imagine her a goddess no she was an ordinary woman but she's intriguing in how did she end up in Ravda. you know she wasn't native to the area going back she represents you know she's multifaceted in what she represents on the monument and we can talk about the monument in a minute but uh you know, her her ancestry goes back to Vikings, so it doesn't go back to Anglo-Saxon in England. OK, well, that's our, our warrior woman. You'd love to imagine that she, you know, she was a feisty woman. Did she fall in love with somebody from Ranala or did she come here, to, you know, as part of a Viking raid? <laughs> we don't know. We don't and we know. don't know if she had children. We don't know any of that. No, well, no, all of the remains that they found there, no, no links to her. No links to her at all. So maybe she had children, but maybe they moved away but they certainly weren't buried in Ranala.
0: Getting to Ranala wouldn't be that easy if you were coming from the
1: sea. because no. mainly our heritage here would be Norman. Uh, but the Vikings did come to Roscommon. They obviously came to Clan MacNoise and they did sail up to Roscommon. They made one raid on Roscommon. Did oh, she Norman. have
0: missed the boat home? May- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe she did. <laughs> that has to be a practical answer. <laughs> Maybe she fell in love with the warrior, were with the farmer. Yes. Maybe she fell in love with that wonderful-looking farmer. That- <laughs> You know, it was just fascinating what they could tell in relation to the remains and the analysis that they carried out. They could tell an awful lot about the childhood and the maternal health of the individuals they found. They could tell whether they had been breastfed and the weaning practices. The susceptibility to particular diseases, including infectious diseases. You know, TB, they found evidence of TB being there. They also found evidence of um, uh, hemochromatosis which is a Celtic, an, Irish, yeah, yeah. an Irish Celtic disease, so it is. They could tell, it was amazing, they could tell that there was one person that was lactose intolerant. Um, nobody suffered from cystic fibrosis. There were uh, an awful lot suffered from osteoarthritis, which indicated a hard, arduous life. Um, there was numerous fractures. Um, there would have been no surgery to a large extent. These would have healed on their own, and the people would have suffered a lot of pain, so they would... Uh, There would have been no painkillers as such for them. With the children, it was amazing. They found evidence of stunted growth and rickets and scurvy. Um, And again, that's gone back maybe to the high levels of mortality. Do you know what I mean? There was at the time.
0: Marie Galuli, Souza Ranala, local historian, thank you so much for joining us on the arts programme. Not finished yet, though, because we have kidnapped Mark Bealey, haven't we? You must be absolutely thrilled.
2: I am, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I just, But, but you, I was really inspired by Marie and her passion for the whole project. Um, and I'd like to say, Marie would be the historian. I'd be a dreamer. What I can do with that. Well, that
0: must be some dream you had. <laughs> Were you up half the night dreaming? <laughs> and how long did it take you to dream, well, Mark?
2: Well, I was probably a year, is From what Marie... Told me this is how I imagined it, and there's one particular thing about it, Marie. That there can be no wording on the sculpture. So I tried to depict everything as a story. One thing leads to another on on, on the sculpture, Um, and like I just tried to take all the aspects of what I heard from Marie and the archaeological dig and just put put them in it. Originally, I had planned. To actually, carve artifacts and I talked to Marie about it at the side of the stone. And then, as I was going on, well, it'd be a lot more interesting to put them on the characters yes. as they are there. So it, it just it's kind of organic in another way, it just grew. <laughs> and
0: Now, how long did it take you to carve this?
2: Well, I was at it for about a year, so I'm doing it weekends and half-time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the last time I was here, Mark, you were carving her eyes, and I actually have recorded you doing her eyes. That's right, that? yes, yes. And you were Telling me about the different sounds and the different stones and how you do the different uh, shapes of carving. And That's right, yeah. Easy yeah, goes.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of carving in that. There is a lot of carving in it. But I get carried away with it. You know, when I go out, I say, I'll spend ten minutes at this now, and next thing I you know, two, two hours is gone. Yeah. in, in, in like, And you might have an eyelid done.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say that, the amount of detail, you know, like you're not going to do that in ten minutes.
2: No, you're not, no. no. But and
0: I, I suppose... Well, I tell the story, or do you? Oh, want do, to- no, you tell it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Mark. You're pretty good at it yourself. <laughs> Each piece, say, like an eye, like you could only go so far and then have to come back and finish it. Would that be right? Or
2: well, you, the one thing about the sculpture and everything is you can't do one eye you have to it has to be part of the other eye which has to be in in, with the face yes you know and like if if you were uh, in a sculpting class they'll always keep turning the model around and when you start carving especially that you need to get away from it so it's probably just as well I'm doing it in the evenings and the weekends because you look at it you go away from it and you come back again and you look at it every time you look at it you look at it through new eyes and I, when I'm sculpting, I have this thing in my head. It's something my dad used to say to me all years and years ago. If you know what it should look like when it's finished, you know how to do the job. Yes. And the sculpture is already there. You're just taking away the bits that you don't need.
0: It's like visualising your dream. Yes.
2: Yeah. You have to visualise what, what it is yeah. you want. Yeah. And and then-
0: that was um, Mark and I cut him off uh, sharply there at the end so I did I do apologise Mark but as I said I've done an hour's recording and I will sort this out and we will have it on the Arts Programme. It's an amazing story um, an amazing story really. Uh, the souls of uh, Ranala and uh, thanks to Mary and uh, Mark for chatting with us. I have a load of people to say hello to and I have a few seconds which I will do. Um, Keisha Raina and Grace attractor my my uh, Grand nieces, thank you so much for my Valentine's Day's flowers. They're absolutely gorgeous. They're sitting here in studio with me. Everybody's admiring them. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you for being, uh, for bringing the girls to see me. Jacob, Mammy's here in studio, and his granny and granddad's here in studio as well. Um, um, uh, Lena. Le- Lelia. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't, I didn't Ismar. get to. Oh wait a Is- minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ismar and Lelia yes and this is Bianca uh, one of our guests will be coming on uh, after our ads she'll be coming on as well I want to say MGF Electrical thank you very much for sponsoring the arts programme and as well as that I want to say we remember the stardust disaster Valentine's Day and uh, happy Valentine's to everybody out there if you haven't got a Valentine just pretend you have Soaking the good, the good, uh, the good vibes, and we will be coming back to talk to uh, Bianca. So there we are. Now we're back with Bianca. So we are, and let me put my mic on here. Hello, Bianca. You're welcome to the Arts Program. Hello, Ursula. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I think you'll be to become a regular on this show, aren't you? Yeah,
3: yeah. I feel very comfortable come here. Uh, very often um, to speak about projects and to have a chat. I really enjoy it.
0: But Bianca, first of
3: all, um, tell our listeners, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Brazil, from a big city called Porto Alegre, uh, in the south of Brazil, um, near Argentina.
0: Okay, it's near Argentina. Yeah, so it's
3: far south.
0: Okay. And you're in Ireland, how long?
3: Um, I'm here since 2010, so in March, this hmm. year, the 26th of March will be 14 years.
0: And your English when you came to Ireland?
3: None, absolutely nothing. I thought I knew, I knew some words, but when you arrive and you leave, you know, the daily life that you realise, oh my God. Um, And I didn't know anyone as well, so it was kind of a challenge. I always like to share these stories because um, as an immigrant, you know... um, I I recently watched a documentary about um, Ireland's big immigration at that time. Um, And, uh, you know, some families will go to America uh, looking for a life, for a better life, uh, to pursue their dreams, whatever it was. And at that time, they would say goodbye to their relatives. And you don't know if you would see them again. So that was kind of, I really related to that, despite that we have technology now, I still had that feeling that maybe I will not see my parents again. And, you know, now they are here in the studio with me today. And it's just this kind of feeling that, you know, we are afraid to give this big step of immigration. And I kind of know how they felt um, of going abroad, you know, to different land, different culture, um, a lot of challenges, find a job, you know.
0: One of the the things that a lot of the Irish would have done was they would have went out to family that were there beforehand or friends. Yes. And that's why you'd have Irish areas. But you didn't have anyone here.
3: No, no. And that was really scary at the time. But I was so happy that that fear just I didn't feel it. You know, it's just like sometimes you're so happy and you hit your hand or you don't feel the pain because yeah. you, your your state of mind is another place. So I think it was like that. I didn't really realize the dangers of being alone here, being a woman, you know, sometimes gigging at night, coming back alone. uh yeah so that's that kind of thing in Dublin so yeah, yeah.
0: and did you tell me you had a bicycle
3: I had a bicycle at the time and I would go working during the day um, as a barista making coffees taking care of children uh, cleaning houses uh, offices and I would go at night uh, in the pub to sing cover songs mostly with the band and, and when finished the gigs like would be like Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and then go home about 2, 3 in the morning with a bicycle. Uh, I never got a taxi, so I just started getting a taxi at, when I, at the end when I had a, a band in a fixed place, so, you know, I could afford a little bit more, mm. and I had a, a better job, and my English was better, so I was able to study, you know, f- develop myself as well.
0: And then you went to college, musical college...
3: No, no. no. In Brazil, I was doing architecture. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So I finished the course there and then, but I never... uh, Architected. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I use a lot of knowledge from the college to my personal projects at home, you know, but small things, small Mm. design, like to build the studio as well. You have um,
0: your own
3: studio. Yeah, yeah. Tell us We've a little bit about the studio. We built a little cabin in the woods, um, and it's a place to grow. It's called Birdland Music Studio. Birdlandmusicstudio.ie is the website, which I made myself as my own website as well. Um, and was all built from pallets, recyclable materials, second-hand materials. It took a few years to build. And it's in the forest. It's a, it's a very nice place. And I have now working with some artists, um, recording demos, recording voiceover, audiobooks, um, poems. Yeah. yeah, if people want to record their poems or reels to show to people, they can go there. Um, I have been participating in projects um, in the Arts Council as well, Benfaza project in Natlon Community Center, Resource Center, Banfaza. Ben- Uh, with the local women in the community we recorded 10 songs last year so that was a big uh, learning for me Um, and I was delighted to be able to uh, provide a studio for people to record songs even if they were the musicians or you know just participate in learning together.
0: And I think as well as that when you step into your studio you step into Music,
3: you step into creativity. Yes, yes, yes. It's a place to grow, really, to nurture creativity. And I have now students from tools that are coming to do work experience uh, to help me with my projects. Whatever I'm doing, they are able to participate. And uh, also I have students uh, for music production as well. So I can make in groups or alone, uh, uh, one-to-one. Uh, and it's all remotely. Sometimes people will come to the studio, and now I'm just uh, trying to develop and upgrade the accommodation for uh, residency, so artists will come and stay for a while to create music and to produce their album Mm
1: -hmm. in an
3: environment that is quiet, peaceful, and inspiring as well, because you can have walks around the area. Moat Park is just outside, you know, nearby.
0: And you're in, in County Common? Yes, not Crockery. Yeah. Not yeah. Crockery. And Knott Crockery is a famous little village with a lot of artists in it as well. Yes. Um, can I just ask you about uh, your album? You, you've so much other things. The album, yeah. Time Machine? Yeah, I'm recording
3: the album at the minute. Um, it will take a, a year um, by my plan. So there is a lot of musicians uh, that I'm inviting to collaborate in a few songs. And uh, it's a long-term plan. The album, I ha- always had the, uh, you know, the desire of record the album. Um, and now I just decided, okay, it's time to do it. Um, and will be launched digitally uh, with a few copies in CD. Um, yeah, and about recording the album I just wanted to do something with this uh, process and I decided to do a series on my YouTube channel I
0: was going to ask you yeah no, sorry what's the name of the YouTube channel
3: uh, it's my name Bianca Fachel uh, B-I-A-N-C-A-F-A-C-H-E-L Fachel um, so you can type it in on YouTube where you can find my channel and subscribe so you will have the notifications of new episodes coming in So each time that I will release an episode, people will be able to see the process. Uh, I just want to—it's not a tutorial uh, series, um, but it's like I'm just showing the experience of creating songs and what it takes and the struggles, the challenges, and the the moments of inspirations, you know. And that must be when when you get an inspiration. That must be. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of inspiration the last couple of days with all this movement going that we're going to talk as well later yeah. about the gig and everything. Uh, I got a lot of inspiration the l- last
0: couple of days and it's really intense. And I find that when I'm in something, the inspiration comes but when I'm wandering around, not in something, you kind of lose track. Yeah, I think uh, uh, what we were talking about uh, on the
3: radio yesterday as well, like sometimes it just got to this plateau. Where, you know, you stop learning, stop the movement, you just stay there, but then you go again to to a ascending yeah. curve, yeah. curve. But um, yeah, so I think it sometimes it's normal for an artist, for a creative person, to be on this kind of plateau and hiatus, hiatus, for a long time. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, you're involved in the um, concert. Yeah, I, I'm i
3: delighted that um, Kieran Quinn, he is a pianist and composer, coming to uh, do a concert um, gig okay. in, uh, in the art center. And I applied to be one of the musicians to uh, sing at the night, and um, he invited me, and I was accepted, I, I was delighted. Um, and it's a team night about uh, Paul Simon and Sting. And I love Sting. I love Paul Simon. And I thought, why not record this song? And it's it was amazing. And I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity by Kieran because he's been doing this for a long time. Um, and you can check on his website kieranqueen.ie. Uh, his upcoming gigs and uh, he's brilliant he will give opportunities to people that uh, are professional or non-professional or amateurs starting off so young people as well so fair play I I really admire this this work there's quite a um, a large number of guests in in the show as well isn't there yeah yeah I'm not quite sure who will be there but it's it's an amazing setup. Yeah, yeah definitely, it's worth. So,
0: so that's on at the Ross Common Art, Art Center. Center
3: yeah.
0: T- tomorrow the 15th.
3: Yeah, 8 p.m.
0: 8 p.m. Yeah. And I suppose that you have to book your tickets. Yeah, there. I think there is a few
3: tickets left, so if you didn't book yet, I think it's a wonderful experience, mm-hmm. and you can find the tickets tickets in the Art Center website or in my on my Instagram page as well. I put a link there on the on the bio. So you okay. can check on my Instagram as well, Bianca Fashel, and you can find out about it as well.
0: Okay, so that's tomorrow. N- that's tomorrow night. Um, your album, as we said, uh, Time Machine. Um, you have a song from that album.
3: Yeah, I'm working on a song. Uh, a few songs uh, will be eight songs for this album. Some songs will be uh, music uh, made for poem for poems um, inspired it's still new songs coming up at the minute Mm -hmm. Um, one story that really touched me was one of was the running like souls like the that is (laughs) something that really struck me like oh my god Um, and another thing happened yesterday because when I was in the radio and all because of the concert because the movement uh, the album uh, we were talking about friends that stopped playing during the pandemic, and I was talking with a specific friend, and I, I, I was saying, "Geez, he he should go back playing. He's a brilliant guitar player, yeah." And we didn't know, you know, he he just found another job and didn't play anymore. And I was really upset for a few years to to see that, and then at some point on the radio, I start saying, "If you are out there, if you are listening, this." You you have to do what you love. You have to, you know. Music was my thing, and I I went to Ireland. I, you know, I I was pursuing music. I went overseas, and if you are listening to this, and I was thinking to my friend, if you, he was listening to what I was saying, and he was, he was, he texted me after the show <laughs> and said, "Oh my God, I want to play," and I said, "Oh my God,
0: you would like to play a song on my album?" and I said, "Yeah, yeah." So that was wonderful. So hopefully he's listening today and he gets the message. Yeah. Are you going to play us out with something, Bianca? Uh, yeah, uh, it's called Life. So. And you wrote this during the pandemic. That's right. Okay.
3: Thank you. Created by the storm, she survived. At every fall she finds the strength to rise Mm -hmm. So many changes I step in stone Learning to be Watching the leaves To the place where it all began In the end we all must go back in time To the place where it all began I said love storm she survived
0: Thank you It's absolutely It nearly sounds like the warrior woman Nearly sounds like the warrior woman doesn't
3: it? Yeah, it's amazing Stay with us
0: Welcome back to the Arts Programme on Ross FM and that was Bianca Fechel with uh, one of her songs that's going to be in her album. Um, I'm delighted to be chatting with Miles O'Reilly. Miles, are you there?
4: Hello, Ursula,
0: I'm here. You're here, right. I'm delighted to be chatting with you. Um, I've been uh, following your music for a long time but I didn't realise that I actually had a connection with you. Yes. Uh, Granard.
4: Granard, indeed. And my father... Brendan
0: yes Brendan O'Reilly the sports commentator the, the runner the athlete, League um, and he was a singer as well because he did bring us some um, beautiful CDs that uh, he made uh, the- he was, he,
4: was he, he, he loved singing he loved music he loved poetry and I think I mean more than half of the reason why I do those things myself is that I can carry that torch for him you
0: know well, I, was I decided just,
4: a long time ago
0: that I would do that. <laughs> okay. I was just thinking about his type of music, like uh, this, the match after Sunday Mass and Down the Boring. And I was looking at your, um, your interpretation as well of music and your film making as well. And again, while they're not exactly the same, but I can see the, the link. Yes, yes. Well, we both
4: have an experience. Dream. I mean, my father was very, very passionate about Ireland, and uh, he spent some time away in Michigan when he was when he was um, in college. You know. That's um, right. But he he delighted in coming back, um, and he was a great people person. He knew he had so many people. This is before the mobile phone, but I mean, if he had had the mobile phone, he would have been able to contact those people regularly. But what he did was always call into people wherever we went. There was always.
0: Um, somebody he knew that he was calling to you know he was
4: a <coughs> very friendly person
0: you know I had heard that about him but anyway we brought you on the radio to talk about yourself um and as I said I, I knew him quite well uh, through my granite connections yourself how would you describe yourself as a filmmaker a songwriter a musician
4: yes I am all those <coughs> things um I, I did them all I have done them all separately for a long time I have done music uh, in, uh, like apart from filmmaking and um, recently in the last since the pandemic I've been able to merge everything together so the music and the film have, have now kind of go hand in hand and I'm able to do a lot of work and um, encapsulating everything all my passions you
0: know okay well the film work, uh, which I was looking at first, and there's some beautiful stories on that, uh, where you maybe travelled round Ireland and spoke to different people um, and their li- their story and their life, you know, their lives, uh, which is, I think it's something that's important to do, because when these people move on, you know, there's little stories there that we won't hear again.
4: Yeah, this, I mean, I, I, do, I, I do love capturing characters and You and there's a diverse amount of characters in Ireland but there's a lot of stories in Ireland that people kind of hold in their minds and that they don't write down and and, and especially in songs the reason why I would capture songs and the reason reason why I would film a lot of conversations with people is to capture these stories you know
0: Uh, Actually I'm going to let you know a secret I was asking somebody to tell me the story of their First Communion dress they bought it back in the 70s and their children are now wearing it now yeah, and I just thought that was gorgeous. a brilliant story you know
4: yeah <clears throat> absolutely gorgeous
0: so now uh, The Beautiful Road
4: yes The Beautiful Road the album I made with Ronan and Um yeah we f- we're very fortunate to be touring that album at the moment it's very uh, Ronan writes he, Ronan has a wealth of these stories in his mind and he collects them from other people and puts them into his songs he's the most selfless songwriter I know because his lyrics Contain the stories that he's gathered from elsewhere, mostly, you know. And um, it, it was a real pleasure for us to combine my music with his stories and his particular way of singing, and make that album, *The Beautiful Road*. And now it's 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 an exceptional pleasure to go out and play those songs live to audiences all over the country. And um, so I, th- I think I think we're getting a lovely reaction from audiences in that they really appreciate hearing and. Um, the, the the full the, the width the breadth of of Ronan's, and storytelling is, is very very apparent at the gigs, you know,
0: and I think as well do as the I...
4: leave kind of walking on air a little
0: bit, yeah. You know? Yeah, and and the type of music, <clears throat> your type of music as well is very different. It's um, yeah, invigorating.
4: Yeah. yeah, it's it's I I I think of it like a, a smell or a sense. You know, it's like. It's almost as if, if you were going to tell a story by the, sitting by the fire, and there, there would be the smell of the fire and there'd be the smell of the kitchen behind you and the coffee or the, the food that's going, and, and that would really accompany the story and give it more weight and more significance. And I guess that's what I'm trying to do with the music. And I think successfully doing it with the music is that I'm, it's, a, it's really a vessel, it's a, a cupped hand, which, which gives the story uh, you know, an, extra, an extra
0: weight. It's a lovely way of describing it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you also have a song, um, and it's um, not lacking in courage. You turn it to me, a um, I have a song. Sorry, you say that
4: to me again.
0: Then. It's me, It's it's in English. It says not lacking in courage, but it's a yeah. song that you have just in the awards. Is that tomorrow night?
4: Yes, that's not, that's, that's, the awards are, the RTE Folk Awards are on the 27th, I think, oh. this month. And yeah, that song was, Nilein Asper Arum, was nominated for Best Folk Song of the Year, which we're, we're delighted about. And actually, it, it, that's one song that's very personal to run on. The lyrics are actually about losing his mother last year, yes. his mother passing on but the message within the song, and I think everybody's able to embrace this message, is that um, he's not without her, because she is within him, you know, um, and he's recognizing all the parts of him that were that are her and that was given to him by her, and really that does, you know, lessen the, the loss of, you know, especially losing a mother. Um, it's it's good just to then recognise that the mother is still completely present within you and maybe you haven't lost anything. You know, so that's what the song is really about. Um it's quite a universal theme. we're just delighted to be to be nominated, you know.
0: Well I wish you all the best best with that sweat. So <coughs> now you're coming to the backstage as well.
4: Yeah, I can't wait, Ursula. I can't wait to come and play Longford. Um
0: Do you know the road to Longford?
4: Yeah, I do. <laughs> Driven through I've driven through Longford too many of the times. So, um, I'm really looking forward to actually landing there. And for Ronan and I Ronan and I to play the backstage theatre means a lot to me, you know. Um
0: it's a and, lovely theatre.
4: Yeah, it's lovely. And I hope people can I, I, I'd like to I, I'm gonna stick around afterwards as well and, and chat to as many people as I can. Okay,
0: I'll well, we'll
4: investigate try. a little bit further. I think it's the first step in a journey to to Granard where I
0: really need to connect with with my ancestors Yes um, I remember um, there was a a Mackin man, he was a butcher and he used to have uh, Eddie Mackin and your dad run up to the top of the town and run back down to see who was the fastest and he always said it was a draw that's one of the stories I can remember around Granard Um, so you're, you're going to the backstage now you're going to other places as well you have a full tour so people can look up your website
4: Yes, they can look at my website. I mean, Miles O'Reilly on Instagram—it's kind of where I'm most active. But you'll find me everywhere else. You'll find me on social media as well. And can it's I
0: just—can I just go back to the video that you did on that? I can't say it in Irish, Neil. On
4: Neil and Asper
0: And did you do that video? Yes, I did. That's an amazing yeah. video. Oh,
4: I'm glad you liked it. Um. It's actually, yeah, it's the first time I actually used. Um, I the the help of AI, so um, I I did a few sketches of of crows,
0: yeah.
4: and AI was able to map my sketches of the crows onto literally onto the footage of Ronan, onto the footage of our dancer Muffatow, yes. um, and we were up in La Crew, up on the beautiful ancient site of La Crew. and it it just really really magical uh, kind of results, you know, helped, helped assisted and helped by AI.
0: But you had the idea, you know, and yeah. it was developed from there.
4: Yeah, it just developed from there. I remember filming Mufasa dancing up there and just thinking he looked like a bird. And I thought it would be great if I was an animator and I could, you know, it would take me months to, to make him a bird if I was an animator. But um, thankfully, AI speeded up the process um, exponentially and we were able to create that video.
0: I'm very proud of it. Actually, I've been looking at that video for a long time because I'd met Roland once or twice before. I'm the person yeah. that asked him, does his uh, feet, d- does he be talking to his feet when he's playing his music? Because he looks like he's talking to his feet. And uh, yeah. I had watched that video several times, but I didn't realize I didn't make the connection. But now I have. Um, Miles, um, I want to play out with um, your song that is in the awards and you'll have to say the name of it again because my Irish is very bad. Ni launna. Ni aspa arum. Ni arum. And it was filmed up in our crew and it's... Um, I, I knew the story all right. Miles, we'll catch up with in the backstage... Um,
4: yeah, Play. I'm coming to see
0: you, Ursula. I'm coming to see you in the backstage, so we are myself and uh, my two nieces, no, one of my nieces, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you there. Miles, thank you for taking this uh, call. The best of luck with the awards, and we'll no We'll be talking to you soon again. Thank uh, you, Ursula, thanks. Thank you, that's lovely. Bye bye. Thank right. you. Bye bye. That was Miles O'Reilly, and we're singing out with Ronan O'Sullivan and this is very powerful. Thank you to my guests who are on, on with us this morning. Uh, Mark, Marie, Bianca, Miles, Jerry. hello, how are you? And again to my grand nieces, thank you for my um, mm-hmm. flowers.